Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania. My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday sermons. I pray that there'll be a blessing to you, and if you're ever in the area, please stop in and worship with us. We'd love to have you. Thank you for the reading. Good morning. So, last week, uh, well, we've, we've been doing the series, Where Do We Grow From Here? And last week, we finished up the call to relationship. Remember, we had the call to relationship part, relationship part one, our relationship with God, and the call to relationship part two, our relationship with each other. And we talked about how a church, we can only grow to the extent that we grow ourselves as a family who loves one another and as a, as a church community. And we talked about how we realize that church isn't necessarily about me. Ooh, sorry. I sometimes forget the mic is there. Me isn't in it, so I can't do my, my dramatic hand gestures, right? We sometimes forget that, think that church is about me as an individual, but it's not about me as an individual. It's about uh, us. It's about the we. And uh, we talked about how the glue that binds us all together is our common salvation in Christ. We talked about how we all come from different religious backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds. We come from different parts of the country. We have different different races, all that kind of stuff, right? But the glue that binds us together is Christ. We have different experiences. Some of us have very hard stories. Some of us have lived very hard lives. Some of us have had easier lives, hard in their own way, maybe not as hard as other people's, but we all have those different disparate experiences. But what brings us all together is our common salvation in Jesus Christ. And we talked about how division, according to St. Paul, is a sin against Christ himself. And we talked about how we're not building our own little kingdom, but we're working for God as he built his. And we, we talked about uh, what, are we, what are we living for. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk finally about the second call. And that call is the call to mission. The call to mission. So mission kind of defines, kind of, well, let me put it this way. What we do basically defines who we are, right? It's not necessarily what we say. We're not really what we claim, but we actually are what our actions show about us. So organizations or people can say, well, I'm about this, or I do this, but their actions often sometimes show, show us something different. And we understand that we as a church, we can't exist for our, ourselves. It's not enough to limp by and survive for the sake of surviving. We need a why to our existence. There's a, uh, there's a really great book. If you should read it if you ever have the time. called Man's Search for Meeting by a psychotherapist named uh, Viktor Frankl. And he was, he since passed, but he was, a, he was Jewish who was put in a concentration camp during uh, the Holocaust. And he managed to survive his experiences, and it shaped his, his, his output. It shaped how he assessed and treated people for different psychological conditions. And one thing that he said, I think adding on to the work of somebody who had gone before him, he said, if you give a person a why to live for, they can deal with almost any how. And he, he came to that through seeing how different people in the camps how they survived, how if they had just one little thing that would give them hope to hold on to, they could find meaning in that suffering. It would give them a reason to live. And so that, that, that profoundly moved him. And then when he survived his experiences, he began to put all this together. And I think it's summarized in that. Give a person a why to live for, and they can deal with almost anyhow. And so for us, brothers and sisters, we ourselves as a church, we think, okay, what is our why? What are we living for? 
And as we kind of put that together, what is our why, then that helps us frame everything else, the how, what we do, how we go about doing it. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I was struck by that passage in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 23. I'll read it quickly again. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I still do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who under the law, who are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So we have, this all kind of fits together. So the first few verses, particularly 16 to 19, are specifically about kind of finances. And you're like, well, that's an interesting discussion. Simple. Well, why, why are you talking about finances and free of charge and so forth? So generally speaking, right, during this era, the apostolic churches supported the apostles who founded them. So as the apostles would travel and preach and, and teach and set up new churches and new leadership, those churches would financially support them. But St. Paul did not ask the Corinthian church to support him. But he's making this point that he could have asked them to support him because he has the right to do so. But he's, he's saying here, I am not making use of my rights. So we ask ourselves, why is he doing this? And he says, so as not to make use of my full right, though I am free, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more people. So no one can accuse him of financial dishonesty. So no one can say to him, Paul, you're all about the money. He gives up his rights for the sake of the gospel, so much so that he doesn't get financial support from the Corinthians. He goes and he is a tent maker. He learns a trade and he supports himself there by making tents and selling them. Doesn't get paid from them. And this is a, something he uses as a powerful, powerful witnesses. Because even back then, there were traveling speakers who would be well paid, particularly if they were very powerful speakers. If they were very powerful orators, people would go out and hear them and give them money. They would travel doing this. And Paul says, I give this up for the sake of the gospel. There's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, Christian, uh, Christian teachers on television that uh, often skip this part of the Bible. They should probably read this for a little bit of a reality check. But let's look at what St. Paul is doing here. He's looking at his audience, okay? And we have to understand he's not changing his message. He's identifying what will help him best in his gospel proclamation, right? He's kind of being strategic here. He's, 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 thinking, he's thinking all of this through. How am I going to be effective in my mission of preaching and establishing churches? There's a commentator named Richard Hayes. He says, Paul's renunciation of his rights allows him to share in the pattern of Christ's own sacrificial action and thereby paradoxically to share in the life-giving blessings of God. He is entrusted with the stewardship. And he, brothers and sisters like us, we have been entrusted as well with that stewardship. It's not just me standing up here preaching to you the word of God. That's not it. Well, that, that's part of it, right? but it's not just me. I'm not the only one who's been given a stewardship. You all have been given a stewardship. I said this last week. 
I think it's in Thessalonians where St. Paul says, you are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through you to the world, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So we have all been given the stewardship. If we are Christ's, we all have been given the stewardship, the responsibility. Paul almost puts it not as a compulsion, like I have to preach the gospel. That's something that's for all of us, not just for me standing here, but for all of you, right? We all have been given this as a stewardship. And Paul is strategically thinking through how he's going to reach the people that he's, that he's aiming at. So these verses, I have become all things to all persons. To a Jew, I become a Jew. A Gentile, I become a Gentile. I've heard, this, I've heard a lot of messages preached on these sermons. And so some Christians have taken these verses to mean we can do whatever we want to do in a service, basically, right, to reach anybody, right? They, I've also heard it summarized like this. The message is sacred, right? The methods are not. Has anybody ever heard, ever heard something like that? I heard that a lot particularly when I was younger. The message is sacred, the methods are not, and we can do whatever we can, however way we want to do it in our, in our mission. And I, and, I, and I bought into that when I was younger, but now that I'm older, I don't know if I quite agree with that anymore because, brothers and sisters, is not our method also a message? Isn't it the vehicle by which we use to proclaim the good news, the gospel, is that also not sending a message? It's a message. So St. Paul's not saying we can do anything to win people to Christ. What he's doing is, he's not changing his message. He's being strategic about how he's reaching the different people groups that he's reaching. So he says, I am free from all. So that's important, right? So he says, I am free from all. That means that he's not identifying too closely with any kind of group that he's trying to, to win. Does that make sense? He's not saying, I identify mostly with this group, so I am going to just focus all my efforts on, on this one group. He, he does not classify himself in a particular group because he wants to be effective in reaching as many people as, as he can because he has made himself, as he said, a servant to all. And this is cruciform, right? This is following in the way of Christ because Christ also said that, right? The Son of Man came to what? to serve, to serve. He's following in the way of Christ. And Jesus, did, he, doesn't, he doesn't just come to serve one group of people. He came to serve all. He came to serve all. And so St. Paul lists, I think, three groups here. So he talks about those under the law, the Jews. Okay. Now this is important. Remember, he said, I am free from all. But he says, when I go to the Jews, I, I speak to them kind of as if a Jew. Now this is important because this is his background. Remember, Paul is a trained Pharisee. It means he was well-versed in the Torah, in the law. What he means here is, is when he's speaking of Christ to the Jews, he does so in a way that they can identify with his message. So we see this on display, I think, in the book of Acts, right, where he would go to the synagogue, and then we see references to, um, like the prophets and the law, he shows them in the scriptures, right, where, where, where Christ is particularly, well, there's no New Testament, right? So in the Old Testament scriptures, here's where Christ is. Here's how all of these scriptures are kind of pointing to Christ. 
So he uses the Jewish scriptures to point towards Jesus as, as the Messiah promised in those scriptures. But then he also reaches out to the Gentiles, and those are his main, his main mission, is to the Gentiles, those who are not under the law. So he doesn't go and reinforce Torah codes when he's preaching to the Gentiles, right? When he's preaching to the Gentiles, he doesn't say, all right, Gentiles, turn in your Old Testament, or here's your, here's your scroll, uh, turn to the book of Isaiah in the scroll. The Gentiles would be like, what, 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 what's Isaiah? Who's Isaiah? Now, the God-fearing Gentiles may have, those are Gentiles who believed in Israel's God, but wouldn't go through the rites of circumcision when they were adults to become Jews, but they still followed Israel's God. But then you also had Gentiles who had no idea who Isaiah was. So St. Paul says, turn to the book of Isaiah. I'm like, I don't know what that means. So what does Paul mean here? We have, a, we have a picture of this in the book of Acts. I think it's Acts, was it 18 maybe? Where he goes to the Areopagus, he's in Athens. And he's preaching the gospel, and they say, this guy seems to be proclaiming a new divinity, so let's bring him before the group, and let's talk about this. So they bring him, and he preaches the gospel to them. But one of the things he does is he quotes, he quotes their own philosophers, right? Their own non-Christian, non-Jewish philosophers. I think he says, in, uh, in him you live and move and have your being. Those were pagan philosophers that St. Paul uses to reach the Gentiles, which then he, he preaches Christ to them. Then he talks about the weak. This is, this is a, a really interesting one because St. Paul here, he's working with his hands. Now we have to remember in his context, in this culture, those who work with their hands, they are lower on the socioeconomic ladder, okay? So if you are doing manual labor, making things and selling things, on the hierarchy of society, like class or however you want to put it, you were down here. You were down here. They were considered the low, the weak. St. Paul says to the weak, I become weak. So he's not just talking to people in the upper crust. He's not just talking to philosophers. He's not just going to the synagogue and talking to religious leaders. He's also going to those groups that are ignored. He's going to those groups that no one bothered with because... Remember, he is free from all. He is free from all. And this compulsion that he needs to preach the gospel, this compulsion, this how he calls it, this necessity, he says, is laid upon me. That This necessity means that he preaches the gospel to everybody, not just to a particular group. And he's going to the, the all strata of society, not just one particular rich, rich group. So we can see here then that the gospel, that this is important. So he's strategic in order to maximize his testimony. In other words, he has a clear shape of his mission. He knows what he wants to do when he goes into new situations. And then this should lead us, then brothers and sisters, for us to ask questions. So if we break down, uh, you have Jew, the Gentile, and the weak. So when we think to ourselves, who in our own context who are the Jews, who are the Gentiles, and who are the weak? Who are the Jews, who are the Gentiles, and who are the weak? So what this should do is this should make us ask ourselves as individuals, but then also gathered as the church on a Sunday, what is our mission? Why do we exist? 
Who are we serving? If St. Paul is laying down his life and he's pouring his life out like Christ to be the servant of all, to reach them with the good news of the gospel, how do we model that in our own day and age? What is our mission? Or I could also ask us then, what is our mission field? And then my answer to that is, well, it's not a really good answer because we have stained glass windows, right? But if they were clear, I would say, look out those windows, right? But when you're driving home today in your car, sit there and look out the window and say, oh yeah, this is my mission field. When you're sitting at your house, look at you, this is my mission field. When you're at Redner's looking out in the parking lot, this is my mission field. Wherever we find ourselves, that is our mission field. It's sort of like when, when they, the Good Samaritan story, they're like, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells them the story of the Good, of the good Samaritan. Essentially, like, everybody's your neighbor. Our mission field is around us. And as a church, we are, in a, we are located in a very specific place, in a, in a very specific area. Our mission field, then, brothers and sisters, is this area, practically speaking. So then what we should start doing is how then do we go and strategize? How do we maximize our efforts to reach people with the gospel? People with the gospels. And here's a tough one. I think everyone we meet is our neighbor. And this is where it gets hard. Even the people that you don't like. How many of you, (laughs) and you don't have to say who, how many of you can think of somebody that you don't like? Raise your hand. I can think of somebody I don't like. It's none of you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but honestly, how many of you can think of somebody that you don't like? Raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. We all do. We all do. Well, most of us do. We all can think of people that we don't like. And sometimes we need to think, maybe the people that we like the least is the ones that God is calling to reach the most. That's a tough one for us to hear, right? That's a tough one for us to hear. Because it's often those people that we don't like, the people that we like the least, that God uses to sharpen us, that God uses to focus us, that God uses to make us more like, more like Christ. And like St. Paul, we need to remember that we follow Christ by emptying ourselves because this is the pattern that Christ gave for us. So this call to mission, mission keeps us focused. Mission keeps us pointed in a particular direction. And mission reinforces the why to our existence, right? And our existence is the church is not a social club, okay? The church is not a social club like the Shriners or something like that, right? The church is not a vehicle for political agendas, whether on the left or on the right. The church is not a vehicle for that, for advancing agendas, right? Because in our society, we have a society of competing rights. What does scripture call us to do? The scripture that we just read. Scripture says, what did Paul do with his rights so he could spread the gospel? He says, I lay them down so I can serve others. We are called as Christians to lay our rights down at the foot of the cross to serve our brothers and sisters, because we, out of necessity, like St. Paul, we are compelled to preach the good news that Christ died to save sinners, like St. Paul says, of whom I am the first. The gospel, the good news 
of the incarnation, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. That God is in the business of taking sinful, dead people and giving them new life through his son. And that is the mission of the church, is spreading that. It's telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done in our lives, and as in the lives of what we see the, the famous people in scripture. That is the mission of the church. And we accomplish that through what we do here on Sunday, but then we also accomplish that through good works. So whatever it is that we do, it's, we don't just do things just to do them. We do them because we need to be strategic. We need to plan. These are the people we are reaching. This is how we are going to reach them because we want them to come to know Jesus. We don't want to just give a hungry person a sandwich. We should give the hungry person a sandwich or food or a grocery card. But what the hungry person also needs is the food that will not perish, which is the body and blood of Christ, right? Relationship with God through what Christ has done. And we see this reinforced in this text at 1 Corinthians. So as we at church, as we walk through these different calls, right? The call to relationship with God, the call to relationship with one another, the call to relationship through mission. These then are starting to, we start now to ask ourselves these questions as a congregation. To whom is God calling us in this community? And how are we going to start focusing our efforts towards doing what God has called us, called us to do? And this is an ongoing question. This is an ongoing conversation that we'll ask and we'll continue to ask and reflect on as we go about our life as the church. And next week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the third call, the call to renewed worship and renewed vision. So come back to hear the last part of, uh, of that. Where do we grow from here? And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us the ministry and reconciliation, who calls us all to be reconciled to God, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Mike Landsman. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. You know, we have deep roots here in the local community and our history is fascinating in that we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're interested in worship that is traditionally grounded and scripturally faithful, come visit us. We may just be the church for you can find us online, zionstoneucc.com, or you can look us up on Facebook, zionstoneucc. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at malandsman at gmail.com. Again, God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to have you visit our church in the